0: Throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections, from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn.
1: Hi, uh, welcome back to another episode of Things Worth Considering. I'm Gord Riddell, and let me introduce my other host here, Jan Hill. Dr. Jan Hill, how are you? Hello! Yes, Jen has arrived. Uh, <laughs> uh, so in the last couple of episodes, uh, we've looked at uh, uh, spiritual awakening. We've looked at spiritual practices. Uh, we've even looked at uh, staying awake and w- what kind of work that requires. So we're going to look today at something that you know many people consider to be a spiritual aspect of ourselves. Yet some scientists who are researching in this field would probably disagree. Um, and we would be talking about
2: that. Wait, let me guess. Okay. Dot 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 dot, uh uh uh. I don't know what you know. Oh, is it start with an I?
1: It starts with an I. Intuition. It is intuition. No
2: no 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 no. I knew that. I knew that too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Intuition. So, intuition is an interesting uh, uh, part of our existence. Um, It's really defined, you know, it's this process that gives us the ability to know something directly without us analyzing it, without us reasoning uh, uh, through our analytical little brain, and it bridges the gap between the conscious and the unconscious parts of our mind, and also between our instinct and our reasoning, Mm -hmm. and it just gives us an an immediate answer, Uh, and that's, you know, all of us, I think, have had in some way, shape, or form, some sort of an intuitive, I knew that, uh, but do we act on it? Hmm.
2: Important. Most of us don't trust it. Yes, that's true.
1: And not at all. Yeah. Um, I think that children have it incredibly strong because one of the things about intuition is it runs with our emotions mm-hmm. and through our feeling state, not through our thinking uh, space. Mm-hmm. Because... It, you know, our brain will talk itself out of anything that you are bringing in as an intuitive insight. Mm-hmm. They'll say, no, it's not. And, and we will actually backtrack. And people get into all kinds of trouble by by not listening to that. Uh, you know, kids, though, you know, they can feel when something's going on in the house, mm-hmm. when something's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would say, what's wrong? And we would be told, nothing, dear. Everything's just fine. As it was said through my mother's grit teeth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so kids then, if they're consistently told that what they're feeling isn't real, then there's only one place a kid can go to on that. And that is not that the big person is wrong, but that, I must be wrong.
2: Right, exactly. And that it ties into the shaming process and all these things that we've talked about for, yeah. you know, in several different But it shuts uh, down. The shame,
1: the shame gets yeah. bigger and it shuts down, though, that intuitive process. Yeah, exactly. You know? you
2: know, it's interesting because in the West we have a particular perspective on what intuition is that is different than what uh, uh, other uh, traditions Um, think of intuition as. So for example, in Hinduism and Buddhism and Islam, they consider intuition to be part of the mystical realm. Mm -hmm. So there's a greater kind of and a different kind of acceptance of intuition. And I think that that partly our own sort of philosophical connection to what intuition is has a big impact on how we treat people who will say, oh, I just had an intuitive hit or Oh, you know, I'm gonna just sit here for a minute and let my intuition tell me what to do. Um, yeah. And so, in the West, we first start talking about intuition. Well, Plato talks about intuition, mm-hmm. and for um, Plato, it's a special form of reason. So, you know, we have these. This this is the sort of the burgeoning of this idea that that intuition is something that, for Plato, exists inside the cognitive mind and it's a special kind of intuition that's accessed or sort of special kind of reason that's accessed through a different kind of channel right. than sort of than your usual cognitive processes and he thought that this kind of reason actually resided in the soul
1: oh, right okay. so
2: yeah and he called this um what did he call this anan n- ananesis I had yes, to go back. Right. I <laughs> had to go back a long time to remember Very that dead. one, right? Anonesis, right? Something like that. And then Hume came along several um centuries later and he thought it was intuition related to this recognition of the relationship between time, place, causation. So again, it's a kind of it's about it's a logical recognition, right, of these different Um, these different elements of our life. So, what what I always think of it like if you draw a big triangle, like a platform, and you have on the platform, you have relationships, you have, or sorry, you've got time, you've got place, you've got causation, right? And it's kind of like the floor that we're all standing on, that in between this time, place, and causation, we have these sort of unknown relationships. This is the space where things develop and are created, Mm -hmm. and that is created for Hume through intuition, Okay. So that's our understanding is created in this in the this and it was really Kant again a few centuries later who came up with this idea that you were referring to that intuition is about the senses. It's a it's a it's a felt sensorial experience yeah. that actually. Affects our like it has an effect of our brain on our brain, and our brain is saying no, something's happening. You're feeling this. You're hearing this. You're you know experiencing this, whatever. But we look out into the world around us, and we and we don't have the observed sort of data to go. Oh, that's the source of the stimulus. I know why I'm hearing a cat meow, or I'm feeling like something's going to pounce on me, or whatever it is. We don't see the cat.
1: Exactly. Right? Exactly. But I think that that goes back to. You know, perhaps where that all began. I of course I have my own theory on that one. Okay, but, let's hear it. You know, the let me I just wanted to pick up on one thing you had said though previously, uh and that is is that we value in the West mm-hmm. I want to know so tell me what you think. Okay. I don't want to I don't say tell me what you feel. Right. The best you know, the, the people who are the sort of the top in any field are the ones that tell you what they feel. Right. And in that split second, they cannot tell you why they feel that, why they think this is a bad idea, why is this a bad business idea that won't fly. When they analyze it, then they'll give you the data. Right. But that gut, you know, it just, boom. And I think we call it a gut reaction as a way to separate it out of our head. Right. Because it can't happen in our head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh,
2: and the neural receptors in our head and our gut are connected. We actually have more neural receptors in our heart-gut connection along, I think it's the vagus nerve, right? Exactly. Uh, along that than we actually do in our head.
1: Yes. It's
2: yes. in our brain, right?
1: Well, I'm not sure what's left in my head.
2: I had nothing left in mine. <laughs>
1: I think it's short-circuited one night and didn't tell <laughs> me. Um, so my theory, this is my theory of intuition. Intuition is actually the primary experience that we would have way back in the days of old when we lived in caves and we had you know, woolly toothed mammoths and everything else out front of our cave mm-hmm. looking for for a snack. Uh, the intuition would fire off. It would immediately tell us, like the cat, like you said, was about to pounce or you can't see it. But our intuition is like this radar system that is constantly in, in, in touch with parts of our environment that we can't be in touch with. Like, all of our, like our sight, our hearing is not strong enough to be able to, to take it all in. So we have this sort of sweeping system of the intuition. Mm-hmm. Now, the moment it, it detects, when It's in fine working order. The moment it detects something that is of a threatening, you know, position to us, it would then fire off. So, what does it fire off? It fires off fear,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the fear would then, uh, as the, the, the fear takes on its, you know, its physiological uh, requirements of increased adrenaline, you know, decrease in digestion, all of those kinds of things to get us ready for the literal fight or flight mechanism. Okay, so. What's happened, though, is that as we move forward, we moved out of the fields, we moved out of our caves, we centralized, we created cities. We are still living because of our stress factor in a fight or flight uh, mentality. Our fear is so pronounced, and we have we have all kinds of things in our society, as we well know, that feed into that fear, mm. that we never we never back out of it, and so. The intuition, which originally was so powerful, is like a little tiny voice going, hey. I'm here. Exactly. But it it, it can't be heard through the fear.
2: Right. So uh, that kind of evolutionary model makes sense, I think. Uh, in a lot of ways, if we're thinking about fear, but how does that explain? Here's my question. Yes. How does that explain the intuitive feeling that you get when you you know, are on the subway and you bump into somebody that, you know, they're going to be your snoodle and you don't know yet. They're going to be you, your what? Your snoodle. <laughs> right? You're gonna like fall in love, and everything's gonna be great, or or something. You go into a job, and you know you're gonna get it, or you know you know you've done great on a test, or like for positive, a positive affirmation, or affirmation comes later, but a positive experience, positive message in the intuition. How do you account for that?
1: I think that intuition doesn't give us just that that warning system. Yeah. You know, uh, what if this person was someone who is now gonna stalk you? You would have another feeling. You know, yeah so it could give you I think it can give us a range of experience that isn't just fear and perhaps just the lack of firing of fear becomes then a positive experience.:
2: Oh no, I disagree with that because I think I think my happy intuition feelings are markedly different than they're just not a lack of fear they're like something else completely different Tell me about that. Well, they just are, right? You know, you're going to have, you know, that that you go into a restaurant and they've got the best, most amazing chocolate sundae there and you just know it. Yep. Right? That is not a lack of fear.
1: Well, that's not an intuitive piece. That is
2: an intuitive piece.
1: Why, how did you wind up there with the best chocolate ever? Just walking
2: down you. the street, you're going, oh my God, it's in that <laughs> place. I just know it. Or, you know, you hear it all the time people who come to the school and they don't know why they're here at the school, uh, you know, at the college, and they just don't know. And they just see something and then they send an email and then they register and then yeah. they, they're like, you know, hey, this is the best thing that ever happened well, to me, right?
1: Like I That's started. not a lack of fear. No, it's something else. But that lack of fear allows for other feelings to exist, or other, other. Yeah, other, I would say other, other, feelings, feelings, other feelings, but not
2: intuitions. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, no. With the intuition, can allow for a range of its primary motive was for fear. Okay. To save us, to, to right. keep us intact, and then from there, we also have a range of fear when that, or a range of feelings when that fear isn't there, but it's still giving us information.
2: Okay, so okay, so that was my whole question, though, right? Is well, that that's why I started is the, you, how I of, you have to. How does the evolutionary model actually explain of fear, that?
1: You can't, you can't have fear firing and feel the other feelings.
2: Oh, I, mm, okay. Well, I'll think about that. Okay. I'm not convinced.
1: <laughs> what that you ha- can't have fear firing?
2: No, that that you have to have no fear firing because I don't think you can ever have no fear firing. But I don't think that you well, can. Well, that
1: wasn't a black or white statement. That's We're talking about a range here of experience.
2: Great, right, but okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's
1: fine. <laughs> me off. The, no, 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 no. No, well, no, no, because what you're
2: saying air. is that, what I hear you saying is that in order to feel a good feeling of intuition, you have to actually have the barrier of the fear feeling, which blocks the good feeling of intuition and the wider range of intuitive hits that you can receive. You have to have that at a lower level.
1: At a lower level, right. Yeah,
2: so that's what I'm saying I disagree with. Okay. Right. That's all.
1: All right. Because yeah, it would make it. a determination that this wasn't a dangerous situation. Right. So it, it would go down, and then we would have access to another range that would come in on the intuitive. Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. I think they're different. I think they're different. Maybe they're different neural pathways. I well, don't know what they Well, maybe
1: are. because you're I'm on the subway trying to find a schnoodle or whatever <laughs> I know. It is. That could be
2: true. Uh, Looking, could be in like place, Looking in the wrong place, girlfriend. in the wrong place.
1: Exactly. My I, schnoodle. My intuition would have said, just don't go on the subway. <laughs> <laughs> We will continue this somewhere. Bring it back on air shortly. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, So we've totally disagreed about what's going on on the inside. No, we don't. We don't disagree whatsoever. Uh, We know that it's a very powerful experience um, that brings people into uh, safety. It also brings people into loving relationships. It brings us you know, uh, well, as Jan said, people from the college comes here, yeah, and they're like, I don't know how I found this place, uh, and that's that's kind of interesting when that uh, that kind of thing happens. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the um, uh, what's going on with the brain here, though? Do you think is there anything happening with the brain?
2: Um, I, I, I. I don't know. What do you think is happening with the brain?
1: I'm not sure that it is. I mean, there has to be some sort of a neural pathway that's, that exists between my gut and what what I think. Because eventually, you know, what we do know is, is that we have to analyze. Uh, uh, we have to be able to sort of analyze as to back up why we made the decision that we did. There's some analysis, you know, in order for us to put it into play. Right. Right? Right. So... I have to move it from from my, my gut, in other words, outside of my thought process into my thought process somehow.
2: So that's the whole conundrum, right? Is intuition actually a real thing that we don't know what it is, we just experience it? Or is it something that we retroactively say, oh, I had an intuition about that? Because if it is actually something that we don't know you know that we don't know if it exists or not right
3: mm-hmm. then
2: then you wouldn't look in the brain necessarily for any evidence of any brain activity going on right you would just rely upon your experience if it's something that you look at retroactively and i don't think it is but if you think it if you just look at it retroactively then it's really just a kind of an argument and like it's kind of a moot a moot pursuit in a way right because then it just becomes something that you look for after the fact i think so right for legitimation
1: you know what i you know what i think we should do I think we should come back and take a look at this afterwards.
2: Sounds like a good plan.
1: Because we need to take a break here. Uh, we're going to continue to duke it out here.
2: Hurrah. uh
1: But intuitively, we know that we will work it out. Or uh, that I'll win. Or that you'll win. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So uh, <laughs> this is things worth considering, including our little foray into the world of intuition. And we will invite you back in just a couple of minutes.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Imagine a place where
0: ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories, it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering.
1: Hi, welcome back to Things Worth Considering. We are talking here on Voice America. Uh, talk radio and uh jan hill and gordadel are just sort of duking it out over the little thing called intuition i knew that okay (laughs) (laughs) so uh jan what do you uh you said something about uh a vision in your mind what's uh what's that about so you might see the answer uh like how how questions you know, if we have questions how intuitively that flashes back to us oh
2: yeah so intuition works differently for different people oh sure right so we talk we often talk about it as a gut instinct right yep but it works differently for different people so what that means is somebody's intuition might sort of sp- They might get a gut feeling or they might feel something in their hands. I I have a client who gets tingly hands when they they feel something intuitive. So, that's their Mm -hmm. signal, their sign that, oh, this is an intuition as opposed to just a wish or a hope or, you know, something like that, right? Or a phobia. (laughs) Or or some people might hear a voice in their head. It doesn't mean they actually hear the voice talking to them, although they might. Um, But rather they sense that there's a voice in their head there. Or they might hear a sound like a bell. Or a whistle, or they might hear a certain kind of music, right? So mm-hmm. there's an actual kind of this gets back to this um, Kantian idea that um, that intuition is a sensory experience right that there's something going on in the brain that's that's connected to our senses is just that outside of our body we actually lack you know the bell doesn't actually ring we just have some sort of auditory memory of a bell ringing and there's something that happens in our brain that, that makes that bell ring when we have a particular feeling around something, right? right so the right. bell rings in our brain and we go, ding, oh, that's my intuition saying, go get that chocolate fudge brownie now, right? <laughs> uh, you might actually have a vision in your mind.
1: We'll get that cocktail.
2: Yeah, so some That's people, especially artists, right, will actually see in their head, it will come to them intuitively, the picture of what it is they want to create or an engineer of how to make that mechanism work. What little gadget gizmo-y thing actually has to happen. Computer programmers will right. talk about being able to see code just show up in their brain, Right. Um, you might see a specific color. Some people, some people think about this as auras when they're around people. They might say, "Oh yeah, you know, that's, a, that's a, I see your aura." So, is the aura actually something that's being emitted from the body that they that only they can see, or very few people can see, or around the body, emitted around the body, or is it something that they actually sense that actually then shows up in their brain as a, a color imprint, a color coding, right? Right. Um, or you might become super aware of the relationships that you observe around you, and intuitively you go, "Oh, you know, this is—they're not getting along," or "This right, is something yeah. funny going on here." I right? think a
1: lot of people have that more than they even realize. Oh, I think so too. You know, one of the one of the things I, I know. Is people who are looking for houses or, or apartments. Yeah. You know the the agent can come up with exactly exactly what you want. You know, mm-hmm. three bedrooms on the valley on the by the water. Da da da. And you go into the one, and it's just like so awful feeling. Mm-hmm. The other one, even though they're identical, they could be painted the same color even. Yep. The other one would have, you know, uh, just a wonderful you know experience to it. And that other one that felt so bad is, you know, something has gone on in that property that, you know, anyone with a level of intuitiveness is tuning into somehow.
2: Yeah. Like this is see, this really it.
1: verging on the whole psychic, yeah. spiritual mediumship. Yeah. You know, what's, what's really going on here?
2: And see, I think that this is where we struggle in Western philosophy, right, is when we see it as either a physiological function of the brain or we see it as something sensorial that's emitted Mm. Outside of us that we receive, but we can't actually. We don't know the mechanism, right? Through through which the energy comes to us or is processed by it. Then we get stuck in a conundrum. If you see it as something mystical, as something linked to the spiritual or etheric realm, then it becomes a completely different thing. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And we're you know so when I talk about the house, that's kind of starting to cross over. On that is the house, you know, emitting something or. You know, are we just getting a, a read on the, the people who live there just had a, a very unhappy life or, yeah. or whatever? And, uh, you know, certainly you can, you know, or certainly I can walk into, into uh, someone's home and, and know that they said, he's here, stop mm-hmm. fighting. And, and they put the smile on and yeah. yet I can feel that they're in the middle of a fight going on.
2: Right, right, you know? right.
1: And it feels kind of weird. Yeah. You know, especially when you're feeling that, but you're looking at a smile, Oh, nice to see you. It's sitting underneath it. It It's a a bit of a disconnect at that time, but I I trust not to smile.
2: Right, right. Right. I had a client who used to uh, smell her grandmother's chocolate chip cookies when something (laughs) felt good, when she was uh, stressed out about something, right? So there's the fear piece. Uh, And she knew that she was going towards something good. So that the stress was part of the process of moving towards something good, she would smell cookies, I love and it. yeah, and uh, and when it was the process was leading towards something that would have a negative outcome, the cookie smell didn't show up.
1: Really? Yeah. Really. So
2: impressive? she'd wait around. She'd engage in the process for just about as long as uh, she thought she needed to to see whether or not the cookie smell is going to show up. Kool Aid. <laughs> so yeah, that,
1: that is interesting, actually.
2: Yeah. And so, like, for some people, right, the, uh, the, um, some people say, well, what's actually going on here, right? Like, why do you smell cookies? So there's this thing that happens in our brain called synesthesia. And a certain percentage of the population, roughly about under 10% of the population, actually have this. And it's usually linked to people who are, um, are, are smart, right? Yep. Pretty smart. So what will happen is they uh, have a crossover in their neural networks of their sensory input in their brain. And, and so you get people who are uh, mathematicians who might read a row of numbers and all the prime numbers appear to them in a particular color.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, isn't that
2: amazing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they go one, three, five, whatever, seven, blah. They go through all the prime numbers. They just whip them off so fast. They're whipping them off. They're just reading in their mind the vision that comes to them color-coded. Wow. Right. So for somebody who who artists a lot of artists like that a lot of uh uh um um famous you know really famous art people ha- have synesthesia. So they might get a particular feeling that is associated with a color. Right. Right? Um or they might hear a particular a uh, lot of uh, musicians historically Right, so what'll ha- have synesthesia? So what'll happen is the sound of the music will come to them, and they'll have a particular movement. They'll feel a movement in their body happen. Right? I think that's something that most of us could probably relate to when we hear music. You want us, you know, you move, move in a particular Absolutely. way, right? Yeah, yeah. So dancers, that sort of thing, right? So there's this crossover in the neural nets of the sensory input things. And here's what the cool thing is: our brain doesn't care what uh, what sort of channel the sensory input comes down. Once it, like, so you can hook your eyes up to your ears inside your brain and you can put, okay, how does this, you can, put a, you can put a sound next to your eye if your ears aren't working, but it's hooked to your auditory center and the sound will show up through your eye in your brain. Really? Yeah. Wow. And vice versa, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. the input's just going into the sensory input place in your brain.
1: Well, I think you know this, in, well, in some ways also, this ties back to actually our very first show called Eureka yeah. you know, of of when we get those insights into something, you know, an answer that we've really been looking for. there's there's a a very fine line between intuition and the creative mm. uh, and and those sparks of aha. The very you know there might be a split second, even if it's a split second, it's probably mm-hmm. way less than that of getting that kind of information. because when you were saying about you know musicians and artists and so on, some of the great inventors who were you know something was missing a certain, something just did't come together and all of a sudden, boom. Intuitively, they knew what they needed to do, like to build a car, to build an airplane, to, mm-hmm. you know, or or to build, you know, uh, personalized computer systems. I, I'm still not over. I want to get still so angry with that person, mm-hmm. you know, like personalized systems.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I'm thinking of working. How do I work my iPhone? Exactly. Right?
1: Like, <laughs> okay.
2: ah! Technology
1: people, are just, I'm <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> I love you, but if you could do the work for me, I'd love you even more. <laughs> um, um, you know, so, um, you know, there's always that, that sort of flash that happens. It's, a, do we intuit it? And, uh, you know, just when you say, it doesn't matter what channel it comes in on. Mm. It's just as long as it comes in, you know. Uh, but I think, you know, they've done they've done studies of people who have, say, a group of people uh, where they've done this uh, all had MBAs. All graduated, you know, in a, in a good place and in good schools and so on. And then they went back and looked at them, say, 20 years later mm-hmm. to see, who was it that was uh, uh, now running the corporation who was still at some level in the corporation who was like really working uh, the, at the MBA level uh, of being an executive? And there was always that something about the person who was running the corporation that had gotten up to that, mm-hmm. that place. And they had that gut that gut feeling present for them. That when somebody brought to them an idea of business, they would very easily just in the moment be able to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. If you said why, it would be like, I don't know. I just know it's not going to work. And then upon analysis, then, we'd be able to come up as to why, you know, that, that wasn't there. But definitely there's there's an advantage to, you know, us Allowing that into our lives.
2: Oh, totally. Absolutely. You know,
1: it's uh, uh, it, yeah, it, it definitely has an advantage that that plays out in a whole lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know? Albert Einstein said that, uh, and it widely quoted, uh, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, it goes back to that. So what do you think? Not... What do you feel about this? Mm-hmm. Because what I feel about this is probably much more accurate than the thought that you're looking for.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. have you ever noticed in therapy sessions you can ask a client, What do you feel about something? And they'll tell you what they think. Well, I think, blah, exactly. blah, 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 blah. And I go, Well, that's great. Now, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think and they we can be do it. We, yeah. Because yeah. I think we do it and we don't even know that we're doing it.
1: I, no, because it's just so expected of us. Yeah. You know, very rarely, I mean, we might say, you know, so how do you feel? Oh, good. Fine. Mm -hmm. We have all these throwaway lines that uh, are meaningless. Mm -hmm. So when someone, though, says, what do you think about that? It feels much more of an invitation Mm -hmm. to partake in in a conversation. Whereas, what you're feeling about this, eh, sounds right.
2: Yeah, because conversations are really about doing. In the West, conversations about doing Yes. right it's not very rarely about how you feel unless you know you are having a a particular conversation about how you feel about something, but um or that's a very specific or yeah, exactly <laughs> right but that's a very specific kind of conversation usually with a very specific kind of person yeah in a very specific kind of relationship
1: in a very specific kind of environment with a specific topic yeah
2: yeah right well
1: it's really specific huh
2: yeah exactly right
1: <laughs> now. Uh, sometimes the in, you know intuition, if it's bringing through this information, uh, Sanya Kochet uh, is a uh, well-known uh, teacher of intuition, uh, and and she says that intuition doesn't tell you what you want to hear; it tells you what you need to hear. Ah, oh,
2: that's the pain of it.
1: <laughs> it is. It's 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 uh, kind of brutally honest without filters, you know. <laughs> uh, which yeah okay, let's face it. You know, most of us. Uh, uh, You know, go through some sort of uh, a a process where we want to present the information as you know as nice a way as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, but Mm -hmm. sometimes our intuition just comes back in and just bangs us. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's like I didn't want to hear that. It's uh, you know, what was it? There's something I just read that said uh, that you know people really love people who are honest and direct and open with them. Until they're saying something that's really open and honest and direct that they're not ready to hear yet.
2: Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Right? They're
1: like, how dare he? Yep. Uh We've all encountered that. And that's interesting, you know, that we, we you know, what Shania what here says about the, you know, uh, telling us what we need to hear, we don't really want that very often.
2: Well, often I think because sometimes what we need to hear is the sort of the nexus. It's the, where there's a jump off to uh, a really deep learning yeah. And learning sometimes is painful.
1: And I hate jumping. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts my knees.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, at the same time, learning is not intuition, but there is intuitive learning.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Now, you know, excru- let's go back to the technology here. Mm-hmm. I, I see these things, and it says that it's very intuitive, you know, that my, my, uh, uh, Apple, whatever, I, I shouldn't say n- names, but my phone, my computer, and everything is very intuitive. There's nothing intuitive about it. It's not making decisions for me.
2: No, but they're not, it's the interaction, how you interface with it is supposed to be intuitive. It's, it's well, not that the, I'm, I'm the technology my gut itself is
1: not picking up on this.
2: It's intuitive, right? <laughs>
1: my gut is not picking up on this. I'm going to have to open mm-hmm. up the instructions. Or, of course, call an IT person in.
2: Right.
1: Uh, because
2: we don't think in a linear fashion. We think in parallel, right? We have multiple stories going along at the same time. We have multiple sort of rooms of our story that we fall into and get stuck in, right? So so <laughs> when you move into like an intuitive learning piece, you're actually carrying with you multiple threads, right? And I think yes. what happens is when we use computers, we're, we're in a linear loop, right? We're in this linear process of thinking, um, um, Cause-effect, cause-effect, cause-effect. And even if we have multiple causes or multiple effects, they're all still part of that same story. And then you have to jump over to something that has a whole bunch of boxes and a whole bunch of different programs. And then you have to move from this linear arrangement in your brain into something that's more diverse, right? Yeah. And then we call that an intuitive system because it has multiple possibilities, multiple routes to get to the same result. Yeah, see, I right? don't see that as being...
1: That's just that's just me. That's just me. Uh, But you know, on this note, we need to move over to another system here. It's called. We need to take a break. All right, and we will be right back on the other side of these commercials.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
0: Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories, it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering.
1: Hi, welcome back. Uh, you are listening to Things Worth Considering. Uh, Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill here on Voice America Talk Radio. Um, now, if you would like to be ever be in touch with us, you can contact us at spirit info. Sorry, info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Uh, also, uh, we're with the Transformational Arts College, and anytime you want to know more about the college, you can just find us at transformationalarts.com. Long word, but it's a great place. Uh, and so, Facebook
2: and Instagram too. Don't forget that.
1: And yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and we're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. Jan's everywhere. Uh, I try and hide. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an intuitive thing. So intuitive and instinct. That's a uh, you know instinct. That that word kind of comes up here and there. Um, you know, in instinct, especially when we're talking about already having having uh, uh, you know knowledge. I think our instinct is those things that are sort of you know mankind's DNA or humankind's DNA holds those things that create our instincts. You know, our instinct of not to go near heat, our instinct of not to, you know, get in the way of certain things or eat certain things. Like, it's not even an analysis. We never learned that. But there is an instinct of what we can and can't do that I think is, you know, that an historical. After a while, if we keep doing something, I think that we do program it into our DNA at some level. Okay, so you know what? What?
2: So I'm just thinking right back to the beginning of our conversation. Okay. Right? I think the evolutionary model that you presented is that this is it. This is about instinct. This was my, this is what I was resisting. I didn't know what I was resisting, but you just gave it to me. Thanks. Is that I think what you're (laughs) describing is instinct. That's the fear-based piece. I think intuition is not necessarily fear-based. So maybe you're right. Maybe you have to have instinct, the instinctual pull out of the way so that the intuition can come in. But I don't think when you think that there's a dinosaur head, you know, outside your cave waiting to eat you, I don't necessarily think that that's intuition. I think that might be instinct.
1: Well, whatever you're using, I hope that the fear does come up for you that you won't get eaten.
2: Thanks, dude.
1: Okay. And I mean that's a You're a good friend. <laughs> Do not call me um, <laughs> because it was only an instinct. Um, <laughs> somehow or other, that fear better come up. I'm going to call it, and I will continue to call it, an intuitive response. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that, you know what? There's nothing wrong with I mean, it includes our instincts. Uh, you know, the idea of having a hunch. Well, usually, when we have a hunch about something, something we already have data on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people, people go to the horse races and they've got a hunch on that horse or that dog or whatever. Yeah. You know? So and
2: instinct can actually come out of, you can develop an instinct out of previous learning. And I think that's an important, important thing. Right. And that gets back to this idea of instinctive learning. Right. Yes. Where, um, where you, you do, you have an experience of something and then you apply what you learned to a new situation. Right. And um, there's a guy, Richard uh, Fenman, talks a lot about this, right? You apply what it is that you have learned to a new situation, and then that becomes uh, like an intuitive learning process.
1: Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Once you have that first exposure
2: mm-hmm. to,
1: to begin to take in some sort of data to create a base. Right. on there, I agree with that. Right. I agree right. with that. That, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it's complicated, but it's such a crucial part of us because it really does make life easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it really mm-hmm. does. Uh you, know, you when, listen. Uh, I think that the best thing we could ever do is when a child is feeling what's going on in the house is to tell them that, oh, no, there's nothing going on here and shut that down on a kid. Sure, sure. Because, because it's teaches you
2: to, to mistrust your own feelings around stuff. Exactly. Right.
1: Exactly. You know, uh, um, I think that, you know, reassuring them that everything is okay is fine, but to say that it's nothing, uh, you know, really hurts a child's self-esteem and that will ultimately hurt them further down. Well,
2: know? yeah, I think what ends up happening is you end up contextualizing your feelings and you see mm. this all the time in therapy with people, right, where it's like, well, yeah, no, I don't, I think that that was a problematic behavior. I think that that person. I don't want that person in my house. But they were under a lot of stress, or they were this, or they were that. So people explain away somebody else's behavior. They explain away their own um, sort of intuitive understanding that the, that something isn't acceptable to them, right? By exactly. context, exactly. contextualizing. It's, it.
1: it's all contextual, and yeah. you know, I think that the more more uh, sort of like strung out you are. The, the, the more we just lose the context of yeah. what we're trying to, to bring into play. Uh, I think that intuition, uh, uh, hunch, gut feelings, whatever, works best when we're quiet.
2: You
1: okay. You have some level of calmness to it, you know, unless it's absolutely a danger thing. I mean, you know, we don't want that piece to go away. We don't want that piece that when you sh- you're introduced to someone and you shake hands with them and you just instantly get a, oh, my God, this is a dangerous place or not a good per- person or whatever, we need to keep that.
2: That instinct.
1: There's just that instinct.
2: Aha! That, that you
1: said it. it I'm saying it to you because we're almost finished. And I want to go home.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, I won. No,
1: that's an intuitive thing. I think when you know you have that I sensory won. piece of being in, very close to someone, you touch hands or whatever, and it doesn't feel good, uh, trust it. Trust I think a lot, the instinct. Yeah, trust that feeling. Feeling,
2: <laughs>
1: trust that feeling
2: instinctually,
1: intuitively, and then your gut that says get the hell away.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, yes. That's very
1: important. You should see her; she's just gloating here. I'm so happy. All right, gloated. Uh, um, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it really is an important thing. So when you're using intuition, I think that you know the more that we use it, the more we learn to trust it. Sure. We, we really do. I agree. Now, so how do you do that? Students ask me that all the time. And that is, if you are picking up, you know, or, you know something like someone's suddenly feeling ill or something, and you ask them if they're okay, it's just a way. It just confirms, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or someone's like, oh, my God, my keys. I can't find my keys anywhere. Da-da-da. And you just get this sense of where, you know, the, did you check so-and-so? Well, yes. Well, check, check again. And sure enough, they're there. Uh, and they're like, how did you know that? Mm-hmm. Like, I knew that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how I know that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, the more often you do that, the more you're absolutely going to trust it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it should be an important part of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because we get in trouble with that uh, if we if we if we don't do it. Um, you know, sitting quietly. I think that uh, meditation plays a role. It comes up in a nice calm way. Uh, certainly, when we teach it here, it's. Uh, I, uh, I mean, there's, this, there's a whole series of, you know, is it like a medical intuition? Then that's a totally different approach than, right. you know, uh, just opening our our, our our own. In fact, I think we want to extend this, you know, here on the show. I want us to go into the whole area now of the psyche and, or the psychic and mediumship mm-hmm. because this – you know, it's like, well, um, where's this coming from? What if, it, what if it's like an ancestor standing beside me or a spirit teacher who's like giving all this information? It's nothing to do with intuition. We're just totally guided. Mm-hmm. Are we?
2: Yeah.
1: And that's where I think, I think our next show is going to be exactly about that.
2: I think that's a great idea. And I yeah. think that that's an example of how the rational mind, right, wants to override the feelings and find a source or a causation, find an origin of something to be able to explain the process. And I think the really cool thing about intuition that we can all like sort of really take away in many ways is the idea that is to know when you're having an intuitive hit. Yep. Know how it shows up for you. How it and feels. And then you can choose to pay attention to it or not, right? And I think the tendency is to let our rational mind, uh, our rational mind gets busy, looks around and says, well, there's no verification. There's nothing (laughs) observable here that's going to explain that. So I'm going to let that intuitive hit go, Yes. right? I see this all the time in relationship counseling, right? Where people are like... Well, you know, I know, I just feel like this person's not the person for me, but I want them to be the person for me, me, right? And they go down all the list of the 25 qualities of that person that make them the ideal person for them. But then, you know, deeper inside, they just, they know that that's their brain just trying to override their feeling. Yes. Something that they really actually know on a deeper level, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, and it's on an intuitive level. They're like, not connecting.
2: Yeah. So I think it's yeah. important to respect your intuition. If you invite your Absolutely. intuition into your life and it shows up and it brings a message, something you need, but you might not want, for example, <laughs> right? Then you have to be respectful of that. You can, if you choose not to, to accept that, then consciously choose not to accept it.
1: Exactly. Right? Exactly. I think that, that um, you know, being respectful of our own intuition is incredibly important. Um, I think how we use it is is incredibly important, too. I think tuning in on other people is cr- is just uh, crass. Um, and it's rude. Yeah, and it lacks boundaries. yeah, and we should should not ever do that. Yeah. without permission. Yeah. I, uh, I'm really adamant about that. Yeah. I just think that it's such a violation of privacy that someone is sitting there reading our energy. Yeah, you know, Um. without without an explicit saying, Oh, are you doing a reading, or yeah. are you doing a healing, or energy work, or a Reiki, whatever? Then it's you know it's hard not to pick up on somebody. But sitting across the table or on a on a, a plane or whatever, um, boundaries exist at all levels, and as our physical, our sexual, emotional, uh, even our psychic, we have to totally respect other people's boundaries.
2: Yeah, it's like energetic voyeurism.
1: Oh, uh, totally! Uh, like how. You know, really, if we turn it around, how would that person feel who's doing that if I suddenly started to do it mm-hmm. without permission? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and I think that that gets uh, – sometimes other people forget about it. Like it's like we have this window into the soul of everybody that walks by, walks by and in fact, we don't. We, w- without permission, you have nothing
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, other than your own.
2: So that actually leads us to the question of can you turn your intuition off
1: well, How, I don't can think, an
2: intuitive person I, do that? I don't
1: know if we can tune it, uh, turn it off. I think we could perhaps pull it inside more, mm-hmm. so that it's more about you know, sort of internalized, as opposed to being, you know, this, this, you know, having our energy that's so extended that it becomes like you know those horrible nets that they mm-hmm. use in the for fishing in the sea uh, that catches everything. Mm-hmm. That's what we kind of become. We catch everything, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, pe- people say that they're, they 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 come here to the college to open up, and in fact, they don't. What what they do is they come here to learn how to close down. Hmm. Right. Because I think they were all very very open, and I think that we pick up on other people's stuff, we pick up on their illnesses, their headaches, their worries, their and and somewhere or other, our emotional or our our, our brain. I mean. Somebody picks those things up and takes them on as our own. And, and I mean, it's an education. I think that we can always learn how to, you know, worry and ruminate by just hanging around people who – it's like it's a contagion.
2: Right, right, right.
1: You know, because we're, we, we just take that on. You know, my, my example is is to, if you're on your glorious subway um, and, and you're standing and someone's sitting, meaning that their head is somewhere around the, your mid midsection uh, – And suddenly you start to feel ill, yet you've had a great day. What's going on here? Well, if we could actually ask the person, probably the person sitting down there has had a very bad day, and they uh, have a headache or whatever, and you're just pulling that in Mm
2: -hmm. without even
1: realizing Mm -hmm. it. Because we are much more likely to be open, uh, uh, and and as I said, like a dragnet, than we are to be closed. Mm -hmm learning how to close is not about closing off learning how to close is about learning how to control that, mm-hmm. that I don't pick up that guy on the subways, you know, bad, you know, bad uh, uh, day or, or headache or whatever. Um, or that I learn how not to pick up someone who's ruminating all the, all the time that I start to ruminate with them.
2: Hmm. You know? so, so that's really interesting. So I uh- I'll just throw this out there. I have no research uh, to back this up. That I I just remember reading this a while ago, is some time ago. Is that sugar? When you when you take a lot of sugar, when you eat a lot of sugar, it actually shuts down the intuitive system. So a lot of our addiction to sugar is a way of actually protecting ourselves
1: from from incoming information. Yeah. Have you uh, ever yeah. heard anything about that? No, no, I haven't. But I think we need to look a little bit. I'm gonna go,
2: yeah, I'm gonna get on that, that this week.
1: Could you Google that now?
2: No,
1: we're, we're beginning to run out of time, unfortunately. Uh, but I think that, you know, be respectful of, of our intuition, not only in terms of other people, but in, in, you know, picking up without permission. But also, if you take it into the world of the psychic, you know, and now you're giving, you know, sort of readings for reading or, or charging to read people's energies or whatever, if, you know, you're genuinely there in terms of helping and healing but I think that it's, you know, some people can use it as a bit of a parlor game uh, that, you know, don't understand it. I think that it's very sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that some of us do. Someone who doesn't see it as being really sacred, I think, you know, might sort of, uh, you know, use it in the wrong way. I also know, and I really have seen it, that... You know, one, your, your intuition is going to get fuzzy. It's going to, you know, you're going to get, you know, bad information. Um, and just you if you use it indiscriminately, I've seen people tune in on people and just like, they are so off base. They're mm-hmm. not picking anything up at all. Um, and it will actually begin to decrease. I, I, I just really think. I, I don't think it's a gift. I don't think it's like somebody out there said, here, use this. But I do think that somehow or other the sacredness of it, it, with our spirituality, somehow does begin to pull it back in our availability. Mm-hmm. And on that note, you know what? What? We're going to have to go off air and fight.
2: <gasps> okay. okay. No, I already yeah. won. No <laughs> time to fight, dude. I already
1: won. Oh, that's just your instinct. Nope. Uh, so, but I knew that. <laughs> so, we're going to be back in another week's time, and we're going to be talking about the world of the psychic and the development of mediumship. Mm, and sugar donuts. And sugar donuts. There you go. Just <laughs> turn it all off. Uh, we hope you have a great week, uh, Jan. Thank you so much. Thank and you, Gord. We will be back here in another week. Right. Have a great Same week.
2: It. Have a good one.
0: Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you
1: are.